very quick announcement if I can. I mentioned it last week. Also on the barista counter is a, another form. It's more an order form. Our family groups, they were called friendship groups, but I just think family life church, family groups just sort of sounds better. So every once in a while the church does this and we just try to keep you on your toes by changing names. So our family groups <laughs> are going to be doing and sharing um, a year-long devotional, which you can do at home on your own, that coincides with something that we can do weekly. And it's Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. So the reason I've got a pink one, because some of you may like that, um, well, you've got a pink top on and it sort of matches yours there. I just thought I'd say that. Um, we've also got a teal and we've got some green. Yes, last week we had a few teal people and we've got what looks like leather brown. All of that, they're all the same price. So they're 25 bucks. I'm sure all that to say, if you're in a family group, this is what we're going to be doing. And so you may buy one devotional in a couple. It's entirely up to you. You don't write in these books. You just read them daily. But it will coincide with what we're doing in the group. The beauty of it is they are not just good, they are brilliant. They're not just brilliant, they are wow. They are so, so good. The language that's used by Sarah, who's now deceased, um, so the legacy that she's left is remarkable. But what it means too is that because we're going to be doing this over the, the next year, even if you can't come one week, you're not missing out because it's relevant to what that devotion is for that particular day, whatever we're led to by the script, so to speak. Is that okay? So I'll have them on display, but there's an order form out there. A whole bunch of people have already ordered theirs. I'd love to be able to kick it off somewhere in the next two, three weeks max. So if you can get your orders in, certainly you can pay with cash, give it to the guys at the desk. They'll put it in a coffee cup and then somehow it'll make it to the bank. Um, but you can also pay by credit card and we can work that out for you. And then I'll put in a, a, a mass order, whatever you call it, um, and we'll go from there. Is that okay? Cool. Just had to get that out the way because it's really important that we start the year well. And so that would be good. It would be good too if my tablet turned on um, and I could get to where I have to go. Does anyone find sometimes that your fingerprint doesn't work as well as it should? Oh, yeah, it could be excess moisture. I think it's because of, like that time, it's hard work, and I think some of my fingerprints sort of just worn itself off. That's what, that's, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> don't know why people are laughing. You really are not doing a lot for my self-esteem here. Anyway, um, all right, so I want to continue in sort of in part where we, with what we've been talking about, I'm going to jump into the first Samuel, but we've been talking about if we're a safe place for all people to be able to come here and be restored and revealed for his glory, then we need to be a people of grace. We need to be a family. If we're going to invite people, we're not going to um, argue and tug of war theology. What we're going to do is invite them to a, a, a place of family where they can actually discover the love of God. But also within that, you and I have to be really... Christ-like, I was going to say good, but Christ-like in dealing with those that could be enemies. How do we deal with those? Because I think last week I posed the question, what are we going to do with someone that where there's tension? Love them. Amen, brother. 
So what are we going to do when they come into the door and there's tension? Are we going to love them? Is that going to dictate who we're going to be? So if we're going to be a safe place for all people, that's really important. And to continue, if we're going to love one another, what does that look like? What does a true friendship look like? What does a true relationship look like? And that's what I want to talk about today. Hope to talk about today. So let's pray. Father, we, oh, I think the kids have already gone out. They're, the, both the, um, the two to fours and the primary age are all in that section there rather than out the back. It helps with our uh, current children, ministry, volunteers and leaders because we don't have a lot. That's why we keep saying we need more. That's not to make you feel guilty because guilt comes from the devil, not from God. I'm just commentary, just letting you know. Okay, So they're already in there. If there's any in here that aren't in there, that's where you're going. Have fun. Father, we just pray that you would bless us this day. Bless the message. Lord, challenge us, Lord. We, we want to be challenged, Father. We want to be encouraged. We want to be strengthened, Lord. We want to come away from this place shaped and molded more and more into the image of your son, Jesus, with ever-increasing glory. Father God, we want to learn how we can walk with you, love one each other, um, more like you, Father, that we just would be more like Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, even as we've already prayed today, that those in the community that are, that are struggling with hopelessness and despair, I pray, God, that they would find that hope, Lord, that love, what they need, Lord, that encouragement in you. And Father, Lord, we say, yes, we know that we are your hands and your feet extended. So use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Cool. So what does friendship in a family look like? What does it actually look like? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, what does true friendship look like? I actually think that we're going to be able to see and get a glimpse of what God wants us to see when we look at and continue at the story of David. Last week we looked at Saul trying to kill him and how David actually was still able to honour and love the man that was trying to kill him. But there's an interesting part in this story because Saul also has a son and his name's Jonathan. And Jonathan and David had a remarkable friendship, a, a true friendship, a real friendship. Because true friendships, they're, they're not service only. Has anyone got those friends that sort of only call when they want something? You know, like what are they here to borrow? Do they want another coffee? You know, what, what is it about them? Oh, so no one else is around. I'm your last call, am I? Yeah, anyone got any of those friends? No, must be just me. <laughs> they're, they're the type of friends that I, I guess when they ask you how are you, how are you going you normally respond I'm good but deep down the reality is that you're not good but Father wants us to have friendships a deep friendships, true friendships that when someone says how are you going we can actually say you know what I'm not having a good day actually I've had a terrible week you know, I'd, I'd love your prayer right now. Because I think when you're in a place where that can happen, I reckon that's where true friendships are birthed, in that place. But that requires some vulnerability, yeah? That requires us to remove our mask safely for those that we can trust, yeah? But, and I, I think it's these friendships that Father wants us to have with each other. So when someone says, hey, you know, how you going? Dude, I, I just need your prayer. Anyway, C.S. Lewis said this about friendship. Really simple. Often he's quite profound. This is really quite simple. About friendship, he wrote, when one person says to another, in friendship, what? You too? 
I thought no one else felt like that but me. Think about that for a minute. When someone shares something and you go, what? And you can, you're actually vulnerable enough. You're in relationship enough that you can say, what? You too? I had no idea. You struggle with that too. All of a sudden you're exposing something they probably knew nothing about. Maybe it is quite profound. Because when that happens, it's the birth of a beautiful friendship. And Jonathan and David, these, these, these two guys, they want to do great things for God. Yet they're, they're totally different. Jonathan, Jonathan's a prince. He's an heir to the throne. You know, he, he, he could, you could even say that that was his birthright. Yeah, he was going to step onto his throne. It was his birthright. Yet he's a military man because he was raised in and around and about everything military. That's, that's who he was. That was his family. And then you've got David. And he's just this lowly shepherd boy tending the sheep. Yeah. And, and if one got lost, he would go and get it and bring it back. And then he would go there, same routine over and over and over again. Two completely different people. And that's just how they were brought up. And so they are so different. The, 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 the land between them is so different. It, it's so distant that it's only because of the Lord's calling that they were friends. It's only because God had ordained it. He, he created a, 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 a path that that could happen. Because I think you can see that they could have followed their own separate ways. David could have kept shepherding. And Jonathan could have just stepped in and inherited the throne. One was royalty, one was a lowly shepherd. They could have stayed right where they were. And I think sometimes that's a struggle for us because we can say, I'm good, I'm comfortable where I'm at. But if God's calling us to something else, and we've got to step into an uncomfortable place if he's calling and trust him. So David and Jonathan were fully committed to the Lord. This was the one string that they had in common totally committed to the lord they, they were then their souls were knitted together yeah they were knitted together and knitted together so they could ultimately accomplish what god had purposed for them yeah and here's a word that i, I know that all of us know and it's really important to what i i, I want to talk about and this is a really simple word that has so much meaning to it covenant covenant David and Jonathan had a covenant relationship with each other. A covenant relationship with each other. And we're going to jump into 1 Samuel 18 and we're going to end up in chapter 23. We're not going to read it all. We're just going to touch on some of the things that highlight the friendship. This great, wonderful, God-honoring friendship. And this is, what, this is where we glean. This is where we learn. And so this is where we're at. A, a, a quick... Summary, I mean, we really, we've talked about it over the last few months. We touched on it again yesterday. But David had just killed Goliath, let's say, yeah? He's killed Goliath. He comes back from the battle. And like anything else, if, you, if you've got someone above you, you debrief, don't you? You share your story. So, so David's debriefing with Saul. And I know some of you are thinking, but I thought Saul was, wanted to kill him. Well, yes, Saul did, but not just yet. He will really quickly, right? But initially, David's debriefing with Saul and I can hear the language that David's not using David would never have said anything like look what I did he wouldn't have said anything that sounded like I killed that giant in David's debrief with Saul I actually believe that what he would have been saying was God was with us 
God was so with me. God was awesome. You know, God gets all the glory, Saul. He gets all the praise. He gets all the honor. Uh, it's true that I killed a giant, but it was only God in me and through me. It wasn't me. He just used me. I was just obedient. I believe that captures the heart of David. You know, I can see that kind of language that's spoken to Saul as David debriefs. And this is where I think Jonathan, this is where I believe that, the, that Jonathan and David, where the relationship was birthed. Because I, I, what, I, what I want to suggest is I think in the debrief, in David's excitement maybe, Jonathan's hearing the telling of the story. But he's not just hearing a story because maybe it happened over a feast. Maybe it was a celebration. Jonathan would have been a part of that. He was the son of the king. yeah. And so he's overhearing this, but not the fact that David had done it himself. What he's hearing rather is that God was with David. And I reckon that pricked Jonathan's ears. God was with David. And so Jonathan, he, he, the reason that he was attentive to that is because he had the same spirit. The scripture says that this was the moment that Jonathan committed himself to David at that moment. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 18, we'll read from verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan, he must have heard must have been there whether he was eavesdropping whether he was just you know a seat the king and david who knows he was there listening yeah and he loved him as himself from that day saul kept david with him did not let him return home to his family and jonathan made a covenant with david because he loved him as himself there's that word covenant and the other thing too because there's the phrase again about covenant, but also the phrase that he loved him as himself. When scripture repeats itself, I'm just going to suggest that it's trying to tell us it's really important. Yeah? As a parent, if I'm having to instruct my children in love with a very mellow voice, because I never get excited at home, and I say, Samuel, can you do this? And he doesn't listen. And then I say, Samuel, can you do this? He's starting to now know that it's really important. Now, whether my voice then elevates to a new level, it's not for you to know. <laughs> but I repeated it twice, maybe three times. But the repeat suggests that it's really important. Yeah. Verse 4, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing. He gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. This is, this is huge because Jonathan's the heir. And so what he's doing, what this act is doing, it's symbolic. He's practically giving away his birthright. Yeah, He's committed to the Lord. He's committed to God's calling on his life. And symbolically, he gives him the robe. And then, and then I mean, it was, it was huge even to be able to wear a robe in those days. That almost signified who you were, your importance. And he gives that away, but not only that, his whole outfit, his tunic. Remember I said he was a military man. He was trained in it. He, his sword. Do you carry a sword? Yeah. No, none of us. <laughs> it's funny that. I did have a friend that used to carry a shirt. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So he gives away all of that. And I just think this is Jonathan. He's saying, hey, you know what, David? 
I'm, I'm committing myself to you. I'm coming into covenant with you because I believe you're the one that I'm going to stand with. You're the one that's going to be king. You're the one that I am going to follow. I, just, I really believe that's Jonathan's heart in this. And this sets David on this huge journey because then David becomes victorious, doesn't he? One battle after the other as you read about what he does, his exploits, yeah? And he comes back. And what do the people start chanting? We talked about it last week. Verse 7 reads, As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Even as we unpacked it last week, this is where Saul, this is where he allows the root of jealousy to, to take root. This is where it grabs hold of him, grabs hold of his heart. He couldn't swallow his pride and he becomes angry, so enraged that it sets the course of his entire life. 1 Samuel 19, we're going to jump there. First one reads, Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. So verse, chapter 18, Jonathan's made a commitment to David. Chapter 19, Saul goes, hey Jonathan, grab all of our servants, all of our attendants, go and kill David. What a great dad. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David. Verse 2, and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. David doesn't know Jonathan all that well. From the time that Jonathan commits himself to now, there's not a lot of story. And I think that David's putting a lot of trust, <laughs> a stack of trust in Jonathan. Their friendship didn't have the years behind it that, it that most of us need to solidify a true friendship that has vulnerability. Yeah? yeah? So David's putting all this trust in Jonathan. But this is where, the, this is where God moves. Because if, if he's going to allow Jonathan to speak to his dad, if he's going to allow Jonathan to speak to the king, one, it requires trust, but also requires some hope, the type of hope that says, oh, geez, I hope he speaks well of me. Think about it. They don't know each other too well. He's in a lot of trouble. And the son says, don't worry, I'll speak to my father on your behalf, and goes off. Wouldn't you be saying, if you're a praying person, oh, Lord, please, I hope he says something nice. It's like when you, someone puts you down as a reference. They tell you that they're putting you down as a reference. And then deep down inside, they're hoping that you'll, lie for, I mean, that you'll say something really nice about them so they can get that job or that house, yeah? It would have been the same for David with Jonathan. I'll talk to my dad. He put all this trust in Jonathan. But I, I, I think... That, that's what a true friendship is really about. This is where true friendship starts to, the rubber hits the road. It, it's, you're trusting someone else to have your back, yeah? Because anyone ever been stabbed in the back? Yeah, yeah look, and the hands that aren't down, it's just because you've still got scars probably. You can't lift them yet. Verse 4 to 5, I think, completes this because it says, Jonathan spoke well of, of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you. And what he has done has benefited you greatly. 
He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The, the Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then the audacity of a son to speak back to the Father? <laughs> this morning during worship, I think I had one of those moments. But why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Jonathan really is a good friend, yeah? He's going to bat here. Verse 6 reads, Saul listened to Jonathan and took his oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. Isn't it usually the other way around? That a father gives advice to a son or a daughter and then they listen? And particularly the culture of this day, yeah? Not our day, this day. It was super important. If the father spoke... You listen to what he said. And here, though the, the wheels are turned because Jonathan's speaking into his father's life and giving his father advice and his father listens. So I can only come to this conclusion. The Lord was so on Jonathan. The Lord was so on Jonathan. That he was able to speak into his dad's life and spare David's, only for a moment, but to spare David's. Then... Then the scripture goes on to say, Saul swore an oath, you know, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. <laughs> he didn't mean it, did he? Because let me say this, that when sin enters our life, our, in our flesh, in our humanity, if you will, it kicks in and we begin not to follow the very thing that God has for our life. Yeah? When sin gets in. And this is where Saul is. This is where we pick him up because he's saying things that he has no intention whatsoever of keeping. He's not going to keep the very promise that he just spoke. And can you see the difference between Jonathan and David and Saul? Jonathan and David were filled with the Holy Spirit. Jonathan and David knew that they had a mission and a calling in their lives. So they, they truly, they not only talked the talk, but they walked it. Their actions matched up with what they were saying. But Saul, on the other hand, his actions didn't match up with what he was saying. Yeah? He was going to say anything, but he was going to do the opposite. That's the flesh. That's our broken humanity. That's not the Spirit of God. Yeah? Verse 7, so Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul and David was with Saul as before. Everything seemed fine. Just like it was. David continues with the victorious battles. He goes out, he fights, he wins over and over and over again. And you can imagine every time he comes back, people get excited. Every time he comes back and there's another victory, the people start chanting. Saul has slain his thousands, but David, he's tens of thousands. So I can only imagine that Saul's like, that's it. You're done, sunshine. Like, it's all over for you. Like, the aggression, the anger, the jealousy, it all starts building up again for Saul. And Saul tries to kill David again and again and again, doesn't he? Let's try to summarize a whole chapter, chapter 20. Because <laughs> chapter 20 is about a plan between David and Jonathan to protect David from Saul, who's trying to kill him. Jonathan was having a really hard time believing that his dad was trying to kill David. He really thought that he was good. 
So they come up with this plan that David would hide behind a rock from Saul and if Jonathan shot the arrow to, that's your left, right, to the left, that's my left, to the left, that means that he's safe. But if he shoots the arrow past the rock, that means run for your life, yeah? I think it's a cool plan. I think it shows that they had trust. I think it shows that they were in deep relationship. I think it shows that they had a true friendship at this point. And so David doesn't show up for these meetings, let's call them that, Saul's having. And the first night, Saul was like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. I wonder why David, the son of Jesse, I wonder why he's not here. But the second night, Saul finds out, discovers their plan. And then Jonathan was completely, utterly, totally convinced at that point, my dad is out to kill David. From that second, when... The moment that Saul found out the plan, Jonathan realised, oh, no, no, it's true. Dad really wants to kill this guy. And in such rage on that second night, Saul picks up a spear and throws it at his son. Anyone ever throw it? No, don't tell me. Saul picks up a spear and throws it at his son, Jonathan, almost killing him. But Jonathan seems to get away, seems to get away. And then he tells David, yep, you're right. Man, you need to flee. You need to run. You need to hit the road. 1 Samuel 20, verse 42 reads, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. He's actually renewing and restoring the covenant right here that they had with one another. And I want to go a bit further. I actually believe what he was doing was reassuring David of that covenant. I think in that... David, knowing that the king was trying to kill him, all that doubt, the pressure, the anxiety, I think Jonathan stepped towards him to reassure him, hey, dude, we are in covenant. I've got your back. And in the next few chapters, 21 and 22, David's running from Saul. He's trying to evade him, trying to get away. He's trying to stay alive. He's trying to miss Saul's hand, you know, that he's trying to deal to David. He's just trying to breathe. And so they are, David and Jonathan, they're both on a mission and they're trying to fulfill God's calling in their lives while at the same time they're both trying to avoid death and so here's where we jump to chapter 23 from verse 15 it reads while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph he learned that Saul had come out to take his life and Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God some translations read a little bit better that's the NIV the NLT for verse 16 says, Jonathan went to David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Yeah? Yeah? I'll jump back to verse 17. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord and Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. This is a great story. I know I've used this line the last couple of weeks, but wouldn't this be a great movie? Like, this would be a great movie. You've got jealousy, violence, betrayal, covenant, friendship. Like, it sounds like a good movie. Yeah? Like, it's all, it's all running, death, lie, you know, shooting, you know, all stuff hidden in the dark, and at the end, the two friends walk off together having victory. That'd be awesome. I think that'd make a good movie. I really do. But it's showing back and forth of what God's doing on and through these two men's lives. And, and we need to learn from this. We need to be able to apply 
what I've shared in part really quickly, we need to be able to apply some of these learnings for us if we're going to be a safe place for all people if we're truly going to be a safe place for all people if we're truly going to create a space where people can be restored and revealed for his glory so regardless of their brokenness yeah they can come here and feel safe not judged not condemned but there would be people that they can walk in true friendship with that will help them get to the end of the road yeah not because of their wisdom but because of the mission of God on their life because true friendship and here's one of the takeaways. If we're going to be a family, true friendship, it's a covenant relationship. It's more than a contract. A contract can be broken, but a covenant, it's founded, it's rooted in promise. It's founded, like it's, it implies a bond like better than superglue, because superglue is really trash these days. Do you remember when it really held stuff? It implies a bond that can't be broken, yeah? It can't be broken. So here's a question for you and I, not to answer out loud, but do you, do I have true covenant friendships? Do you or I have a true covenant relationship? I guess if you're married, I'm married, we've got one. From the minute I say, I, I, I said, she said, we both said, I do, we have a covenant relationship. It's more than a contract, Yeah. And it's this kind of covenant, this kind of covenant loyalty that we see between Jonathan and David. And this should be what distinguishes the church. This would, should be what sets us apart from any club in the community is the covenant relationships in the place. Our love for God, the covenant that we have with him and the love that we have for one another in true friendship. This is what we should be known for. I said in our worship time... and. We, we mentioned the missing mum, and I cannot imagine what it would be like for family. But if we're going to be a place that people feel safe in, we need to be a place that's in covenant relationship because people need to find a place where there's hope. People need to find a place where there's true support and encouragement. Yeah, Because out there, people may not voice it, but people are broken. In here, people may not voice it, but people are broken. And the minute that we can realise that we all come from the same address, we all have issues, they just, just look a little bit different and own them and are prepared to step towards someone to work on them with someone, then maybe we'll actually become more like Jesus. Yeah? And right here, we are in covenant with God and with one another in this place, in Family Life Church, in our family groups. If you're in a family group, a friendship group, over time, people in those groups, they're actually in covenant relationship with each other. Why? Because they're praying for each other. They're lifting each other up. They're caring for one another. They're celebrating birthdays together. They're celebrating anniversaries together. That's what happens in family. So that's what happens in a family group, in a friendship group. That's what happens in a church family, regardless of its size. You still need true friendships, covenant relationships with people, yes? Amen. Strong friendships are formed when we're all moving towards common goals for the kingdom of God. Yeah. See, the thing that makes a covenant relationship real is our relationship with God. Yeah. And the covenant church family is the type of relationships God wants us to have. So strong friendships are formed when we're moving towards common goals that we have for the kingdom of God. That happens in our prayer groups. It happens in our family groups. 
with common goals for the kingdom of God. It, it happens when people say yes to GCG, to God's Christmas gifts, and Ray and Vicky. There is the, the, that reinforcement of covenant relationship because they're coming together with common goals for the kingdom of God. And even if we do get upset with one another or a little offended with one another, is there anyone here that I haven't offended yet over time? No? no, you know, Okay, four or five, all right. No, please, give me a chance. It, it normally takes about two weeks, but you've been here for a year. You may have missed that, that comment that I made or something. I don't know. Even if we do get offended with one another, and we will, yeah, then we go back to the ultimate covenant relationship, don't we? The original covenant, which is the blood of Jesus that washes, washes us clean. And it's that blood, it's that death, it's that resurrection that makes us all the same. Yeah. Same playing field, yeah? yeah? Man, when we're peeved, because I can't use the other word in church, with one another, you know, this is what should happen. We're filled with the Holy Spirit and we speak these remarkable words. These are remarkable. Amazing if you hear them ever. I'm sorry. Now I'm going to show my age. Yeah, who used to watch Happy Days? Do you remember the Fonz? Two words he couldn't say. I'm wrong and I'm sorry. No, he couldn't say them. I just couldn't say them. But you and I, with the Holy Spirit, we can say, you know what, look, I'm sorry. I actually didn't mean to say that. That was never my intent. I didn't mean to hurt you. And with his leading, his guidance and help, we restore that relationship, don't we? Because we're family, we're the bride of Christ. So we restore. Paul says in the New Testament that one can't function without the other. That if one gets hurt, the other's hurt. So if one has victory in their life, then you and I, if we're in true relationship, then we want to celebrate that victory with our brother or sister, with our true friend. So when we pray for one another, because... Why do we pray for people? Why do we pray for each other? Why do I want to use my precious time that's finite on this earth? Why do I want to use my time to pray for you? To lift them up. When one hurts, the other hurts. And so if one's hurting, we pray for that hurting person. Do you know when you pray for someone, you're using your time. Do you know time is a part of your life? Do you know it's the one part of your life that you'll never get back? Once it's spent, it's spent. I reckon that's a sacrifice right there. Yeah, it's not a bad sacrifice to be able to pray for other people. So when we're praying for one another, that's the bride of Christ in action. And the bride is at its best when we come alongside each other and lift each other up. And this is what's happening in the story of David and Jonathan. As Christians, we've got every reason to chase after and pursue real and vital friendships because we have that one thing in common, Jesus. Yeah? And all I want to say is, if you do not have a true friendship, a covenant friendship, then find one, start one, form one. Spend time with people, get to know them. Hear their heart, see if there's a connection there. Yeah. True friendships are covenant friendships. True friendship, another learning for us, it's loyal and it's sacrificial. David was saved by the sacrificial friendship of Jonathan so many times. Jonathan risked his life with his own dad, yeah, just to save David from what would have been certain death. Let's face it, Saul was crazy. He was crazy. Oh, he was bat-beep crazy. 
The guy was he lost his mind. He was angry. He was enraged. So much so that he made an attempt on his own son's life. That's, that's pretty crazy if you're asking me. Yeah? That's how much the enemy had gotten into his head. And so, church family, don't let sin take root in our life. Don't let it do it in your life because it'll cause you to do things that you look back on one day and you'll think, why did I do that? That wasn't me. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Don't let sin take hold. Yeah? Why do you think David and Jonathan took all this risk? Why, why would they risk their own life? Why would Jonathan even risk his relationship with his own dad? What motivated them to take these risks, to risk everything? I think it's because they had a higher calling. I actually believe that there was a high calling placed on their life and nothing was going to come between their relationship and their calling in the Lord. Nothing. It was God's calling on their life that got them through every single situation they faced, even through what seemed like certain death. Yeah? And Father God uses those situations, our situations, all the time. And he wants us to walk through them, not jump over them, not go around them. He wants us to face them and walk through them. Oswald Chambers, said, Oswald Chambers writes, And God uses the reaction of your life to your circumstances to fulfill his purposes as long as you continue to walk in the light as he is in the light. It's easy to get put off the light. So easy to get distraction. There's, we'll walk out the door and we'll get distracted today. But when we walk in the light as he's in the light, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden our paths become clear and no matter what we face, we're ready to take on the world, especially when we know that there's a calling and a purpose of God in our lives. You know? He has a purpose for each and every one of us. He champions us. He pursues us. He actually constantly pursues us and never lets up. And he sacrificed himself through his son Jesus. Yeah, that was the ultimate form of friendship. True friendship is a covenant relationship. True friendship is loyal and sacrificial. And if we're going to be a safe place for all people, yeah, to be revealed and restored for his glory, a covenant friendship is God-centered. It, it, like it's God-centered. It has to be grounded and founded and rooted in Jesus. Verse 16 of chapter 23 says, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Jonathan encouraged him. Some translations use a word, you're going to love this word, you might find it in your dictionary, strengthened. Yeah, strengthened. He encouraged him in his faith. He strengthened him in his faith. I imagine, it's not just me, it's not just the people that are here today, it's not just those that are at home, but I imagine there's more than just one person here today that actually, probably just all of us, that would love to be encouraged at times and strengthened in our faith. Yes? That question again, do you have in your life that covenant relationship with a person that can strengthen your faith in God? Someone that's drawing you closer, not to each other, but to the Lord. That's a true friend. Yeah. A true friend's loyal and sacrificial, yes, but also bigger and greater than that. A friend that says, don't give up on going to church. Don't give up on going to your family group. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on your quiet time. Don't give up on reading God's word. Don't give up on the purpose. Don't give up on the plan. Don't give up on the prophetic word that was spoken. Don't give up on it. 
That's what a true friend does. I, had, I have moments. My wife probably wouldn't share them all, but I have some moments. And I had a moment a few weeks back, and I went to see a friend. Yeah? I'm going to get vulnerable now. Just to share my moment. And that person, over a cup of... It pains me to say this. Over a cup of tea. That's why I'm crying. (laughs) Over a cup of tea said, hey, hey, don't let that get to you. This is not where your story ends. It's just the enemy having a go. Just stay focused. Don't let... And anyway, don't let that get to you. I was encouraged and strengthened. Still hurting, but encouraged and strengthened. I needed those words at that moment. Like, oh gosh, I needed those words at that moment. Sometimes you and I need a person like that, that you're in true covenant relationship with, that can speak those words in those moments. Don't give up. Don't give up on going to Jesus. I actually think that what's happening here with Jonathan and David is Jonathan, and you know, Jonathan's finding Jesus in the fields. He's, he's, finding, he's finding Jesus everywhere, so to speak, the, the Lord. But David himself, he's hiding everywhere. David's hiding in the woods. He's hiding in the wilderness. And I actually believe that at this point, David's feeling really tired. He's exhausted. He's been running from a guy that's trying to kill him. The king with his army, 3,000 men. He's tired. And you know, just trying to move and to avoid... That can wear a person out. That stuff is so heavy and burdensome. Life can be so heavy and burdensome. Especially if you're trying to avoid someone that's trying to kill you. It can take a toll. And I think that Jonathan saw his friend, saw what he was going through, saw what he was suffering. And he had this feeling in his gut, but the feeling, it was a calling from the Lord. Yeah? That said, you need to go and talk to him. So Jonathan thinks, I need to go and talk with him. I need to go and encourage him in his faith. I need to go and remind him of his purpose and plan. I need to remind him to stay strong. I need to encourage him and and let him know that you're going to be king. And if we're going to be honest, how many of us need someone to tell us that occasionally? Just keep fighting, keep persevering. Don't give up, keep running the race. Hey, brother and sister, you got this. God's got your back. Don't get isolated. Don't don't allow the enemy to isolate you. That's what the enemy wants. We've got every reason to make real and true friendships in here at Family Life Church. Like we just do. But it's hard if you don't show up. It's hard if you're not here for people to to create a place where true friendships can happen. It's hard. Absolutely it is. The enemy will get into our heads. He'll say anything. You can just miss Sunday. Have a sleep in. You deserve it. Better still, you've had such a shite week. Such a horrible... In fact, you've been horrible this week. Don't go. Look at everything you've done. But you've heard this before. It used to be an old Carmen song. But For those of you that know who Carmen is, but don't worry. The, the words 
are probably more important than who, who uttered some of them. But when the enemy reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. I like the way Carmen sang it. You probably find it in the word anyway, but Carmen was good. Simply remind him of his future. Done. God has the victory in our life. He's conquered hell, death and the grave. The enemy doesn't want you and I to have true friendships with each other, especially if it's going to strengthen and encourage our friendship with Jesus. If you're going to encourage me in the Lord so that I grow in him, what's the enemy going to do? He's going to try to snifle that. He's going to try to cut that off. David and Jonathan knew no matter what they faced, no matter what situation they found themselves in, they always trusted the Lord to see them through. That's when you know you have a true friend. Why don't we stand? Because true friends strengthen our relationship in the Lord. And yes, it's okay to have healthy conflicts occasionally. I'm Italian. I've got an Italian background. It happens in family all the time. And I've shared this passage of scripture before, but I'll share it now because Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's brilliance. That's what it says, isn't it? I must have the wrong version. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know, church, family, we need to be Jonathan's. Do you know what the name Jonathan means? It literally, literally, it means a gift from the Lord. It means a gift from the Lord. And you and I today, if we get anything from today, we may need to be a gift from the Lord for someone else. Yeah? So when you feel a tug in your spirit that says, hey, brother, or to go to someone that's, and say, hey, brother, are you okay? Know that maybe it's the Lord leading you there. So that you can be a gift to, a gift to them from God. You know, I love the I love the thought that maybe a good friend just needs to listen. Sometimes, you've heard the the the, the description before. You know that God has given us two of these and one of these. Maybe we ask the question and then we just stop, shut up, and listen. Maybe a good friend just needs to do that. Yeah. Stay close to each other. Stay close to 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 the family, stay close to your family groups, be a Jonathan. This is our house, Family Life Church. This should speak volumes to the world. The world should be saying there's something different about this place. There's something different in this house. It's the same Jesus, but they seem to be joyous one with another. They seem to, they actually, I really think they love one another. Like it's so weird. They all like each other. Oh, wow. That'd be terrible. <laughs> they all love coffee over tea. No, no, sorry. I went too far. They lift each other up when each other needs it. You know what? I think we should go and check them out. I think that's what we need. That should speak volumes. Yeah. Why don't we close our eyes as we pray, hey? Father, we thank you for Jonathan. We thank you for the gift that he was to David. We thank you for their covenant relationship. Father, we thank you that all that we can learn, God, help us to be loyal. Help us to be sacrificial, Lord God. Help us to be in true relationship, in covenant with one, 
one with another and most importantly God help us to be a people that will come alongside to lift up to pray for to encourage to strengthen our true friends in their faith in God Lord may we be a place that is known for that maybe that may that be a place a, a, a thing where people walk in and that's what they expect to define the love of God in this house so, Father, move in a way today. Encourage us today. Help us to be more like Jesus today. Help us to be Jonathan's in our friendships. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.